mindfulness mode. I've always been fascinated with what connection can do. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with a disruptor. She is a disruptor. That's how she paints the picture of herself. She's into neurocognitive leadership behavior and connection skills. She's all about critical relationship dynamics. She's, wow, she's done a lot of very fascinating things. She's a multi-million dollar medical staffing corporation founder. That's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) She works in autism services as a specialist, or she has. We're going to find out about a lot of these things as we talk. I'm here today with Tressa Yanakawa Bundren. Tressa, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in, yes. Yes, it's, it can be so simple. Yes, I'm in mindfulness mode today. And I started out that way, like I start every day in gratitude, getting centered, and then entering the day and inviting, welcoming what we're here for. Well, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. And you were introduced to me by Steve Sims over at the Archangel Summit in Toronto. And that's exciting because Steve is somebody I've had on my show and, and he's an amazing person. We were just chatting about that. And you are an amazing person. So let's talk about mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you? Everything. And I'm going to say that in over 25 years of working with, with leaders, um, and and their families, their spouses and their families, typically, um, as well as their teams and their boards. That that one thing that that comes to fruition with mindfulness is that when we can have that base, that center, everything else becomes more clear, and maybe not more easy, but definitely more clear, more purposeful, more impactful. Yeah, it really does become more clear because, you know, it's it's not a good feeling when your life feels jumbled. That's the thing. And mindfulness can make everything have more clarity. Definitely. And when you talk about that jumble, you know, we're, we're in a time in, in our lives right now when things are very jumbled. And have we ever not been? I'm not sure. But it feels like people aren't really sure of what what next steps are, what the value and purpose of life is, what, you know, the reason that we're here. And um, mindfulness can really bring us to that kind of centering and that presence in a very powerful and immediate way. I want to ask you, uh, Tressa, why do you call yourself a disruptor? What's that about? Yes, thank you for asking. You know, the, the word disruptor or disruption has been used uh, in different ways, especially recently. Um, and it's been used, I think, typically to, to say that we're connecting with people in a different way, that we're using marketing or other sources to, to show people or convince people that, that we're relatable. So disruptor to me means that we're taking it back to, you know, really ancient technology that is almost too simple for us to comprehend because our brains want to solve problems. Mindfulness and disruption to me, and I, you know, I don't often use mindfulness when I talk to to corporate leaders. Um, either honestly, they don't want to hear it or they've heard it too much. So sure. it's been a buzz. Um, when I talk about mindfulness, I use words like strategy, purpose, presence, meaning. And it all is the same thing. When we can be disruptive in our own patterns 
to take a look at what is true for us and what we can do better, then we start turning the dial. Then we start making steps toward changing the world. If that's our, if that's our purpose and meaning in life. And, and I think that all of us can, and maybe even should hold that as, as a primary purpose. You've written a book called Listen Leader, How to Be the Leader We Want to Follow. Tell us about that book and what took you to the place of deciding to write it. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. And it's kind of embarrassing because I was a bad boss. I had mm-hmm. had, you know, um, leadership uh, in my in my life and, and bad bosses in my life. And I went the route of what I thought society uh, determined as successful. Um, so I um, micromanaged. I did all the things wrong. Uh, so what led me to that was, you know, several years of, of failure, of doing the wrong thing, of having a team come to me and say, you know, we, we get what you're trying to do here. We believe in your purpose. We, we want to contribute, but we don't really like you. So either you change how you're leading us or we're leaving. And immediately went into a spin and, and needed to look at my patterns and how I could do it differently and better. And what came about with that and, and the whole basis of Listen Leader is what I learned for myself and then what I learned from consulting with other leaders for over two decades. That's very interesting. And so what are uh, some of the main themes in that book that you that you share? Yeah, I think, you know, listening is part of presence and part of mindfulness. When we can really hear each other in active listening, not just, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, I've taken some notes, you know, about what you said or the words that you used, but actively listening, which is whole self-listening, we can be more engaged. People trust us more. You know, there's appropriate vulnerability. We don't know all the answers. Let's admit that we don't know all the answers. Let's ask for help where we need help so that we can have better outcomes. Let's be visionary in the ways of being in right action, which you know, is not always the the easiest thing to do, to continually stand up for what is right. This all, you know, leads us to being inclusive. And and that in itself is a mindfulness practice. Yeah, it really is. I know that you've done work in autism, autism services specialist. Can you tell us about some of that work that you've done and how you may have used mindfulness in that work? Absolutely. I think the the whole foundation of, of all my work is mindfulness and, and being present and really just paying attention to what's happening for each individual person, whether that be, you know, reading a room of 2000 people in an audience from a stage, um, which I love to do also, or one on one with with adults or children. One of the things that I found working with people who are on the spectrum, who have neurodivergence is that we're, we're all just people. And some of the most brilliant ideas have come from people on the spectrum because we, they think differently. And when you can think differently and not be in the boxes that society creates for us, when you can look at um, core, soul, heart, full presence, uh, integrity, rather than society integrity, we can get different answers rather than repeating being on the hamster wheel. And, you know, I mean, Elon Musk um, was talking on, I think Saturday Night Live about being on the spectrum. When you, when you look at what's possible, when you look at what's happening now, then that lets us be mindfully present and in connection communication now, rather than groping for an outcome that we think we need to have. 
So when, when I'm working with parents who have children who are on the spectrum, we're, we're not looking at, you know, 10 years from now, we're looking at how this, this young human being communicates and needs to be communicated with in order to, to get the concepts that they're going to need as they get older. So what does that mean? It's, it's different. It's just, it, it can be vastly different. Sometimes kids are engaged by sensory stimulus, sometimes with a lack of sensory stimulus. Some kids need really quiet spaces with, with appropriate low lighting. You know, what is it that, that this human being needs in this moment to optimize their outcomes? And, and that's being a leader also. So I think, you know, parenting is, is a huge place of leadership. And can we be leaders at every level in whatever we do? Absolutely. Parenting, partnering, you know, life, work, and love. Um, we can be leaders in all those areas from a, from a place of mindfulness. Well, we, we really can. And I, I really agree with what you say. I think that we need to be way more willing and, and able to connect with those who are on the spectrum. And I want to ask you, do you feel as though corporations are getting on this a little bit more, that they're more willing to look at people who are on the spectrum and realize that because they are creative in a different way and see the world in a different way, they can really, really... Um, provide new insight for them? You know, I think there are pockets that that's happening. I think more than that, what we're seeing is that people are um, identifying that they're masking and understanding the rationale behind that, finding places that fit them better and that they fit into better or best, where they can most contribute and be contributed to. And, you know, any kind of situation, work, or relationship of any kind um, is, is a conversation, is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. So I think we have more people standing up and saying, listen, I know these things about me. Here's what I need in order to be optimally successful. And they find those things or request those things. And that I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And I'm excited to see that, that many, many places, many leaders and many corporations are responding favorably. Yeah. Well, I'm glad glad that you're seeing that as well. I want to ask you about some of the emotions that people are experiencing who really are struggling to move forward. And of course, the, the fundamental emotion is fear. How can we move forward when we feel like we are we are just blocked by the fear that is rooted in our soul? Mm. Well, this again is going to sound almost too easy for our brains, but we need to slow down, pause, you know, the, the primal pause, take a breath, just let our nervous system come into more ease so we are able to make brilliant choices. When we are groping for choices out of fear, um, typically we're going to do things that we wouldn't do from a place of stasis, from a place of calm, from a place of presence and aliveness when we are in purpose or in flow typically you know if we make a mistake fine um, but when we come from fear there's this different characteristic in our brains in our whole bodies that says you you you're gonna fail you have to get this right let's do this and and nobody makes good choices from that place so so fear you know is is helpful like it can save our lives um, and and it can push us to, to really go in. But if we don't go in and find that place of mindfulness, of gratitude, of presence, of pause, to take that breath to make the choice, 
we can miss out on some pretty amazing aspects of life. Teresa, I want to take you back to when you were seven years old, a child, and just let's look at you at that time, a typical day. Was there anything foreshadowing that you would do some of the amazing things that you came to do in your life? You know, my mom was an administrator at Stanford and she would take me to work with her very often. And at seven years old, I was um, a youth volunteer, typically at the places where she worked, which um, were hospital rehabilitation um, kinds of situations. And one of those places right at that seven, eight year mark, um, we moved to uh, Montana and she was working in a basically a, a large state-run school for people with cognitive disabilities. Um, and so some of my first friends growing up at Stanford and also there um, had very different physical, emotional, and mental um, ability. And so um, was, there, was there something? Yeah. I mean, I felt like I could communicate with people who didn't have language. I felt like, you know, as a child that that we had a something in common just to be human. And and that led to, you know, my degrees which are in communication and communication disorders. Um because I've always been fascinated with what connection can do and it really can change the world. It can it can light up a room, it can change the energy, you know, connection our intention with connection and presence. Um, can change our relationships, you know? And so that's power. It truly is. Yes. I want to ask you about bullying. I want to ask you if you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah, I think, you know, um, first I want to say that uh, I definitely was bullied um, and I w ran around with what what people might call like the the popular group of kids. And even so, um, you know, I now I know from research in, in neurocognition that there was a study, done, I think, in, in 2008, the University of Chicago, where they identified that when people that people identified as bullies, um, when they're watching um, video of bullying or of pain happening to people that their amygdala um, would would light up. Whereas people who did not identify as bullies, their like uh, prefrontal cortex and the temporal parietal area um, would light up. Now the amygdala is uh, fight or flight and reward, right? So that's what lights up, um, was lighting up for in bullies. And the prefrontal cortex and this temporal parietal area are the areas of self-regulation in, in non-bullies. So I want to say that there are um, different ways that our brains function. Can we learn how to do things better? Absolutely. The, the instance that I remember so vividly of being bullied um, as a child was riding the bus home. And there was a, a older boy, um, big kid uh, who just always was alone and um, he would like throw things at you know those of us who were younger and kind of push us over and tell us to get out of the seat but that was his seat and he lived out close to me so we would drop him off first and then head to my house and one day like I could just see that he was sad and I just was like here's what I said I said are you okay and not not from a place of of being um, in his face, but just like, I'm concerned about you. Are you okay? 
And he stopped and he never bullied anybody on that bus again. He didn't say a word. Wow. But that's, that's the power, you know, and, and I learned really young that, that if we can be in compassion, does it always work? No. But does it work a lot of times if, if somebody doesn't feel that they're like on stage or trying to save face or, you know, that kind of thing, if we can just have that moment of connection, it makes us both human. It lets that person know that we see them. And can that go really wrong? Absolutely. I mean, he, he could have turned around and done, you know, whatever, but he, in that moment, something happened, something changed. I hope he felt seen. And I, you know, I hope that um, whatever was going on in his home to create the situation for him to be that way. Uh, I hope that he realized that he didn't have to live like that as he grew up. Oh, yeah. What a great story. Wow. As we move forward in the interview, Tressa, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. First one is this. Who's one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence to you? Uh, right now, Steve D. Sims. You know, and um, he's been on your podcast and I, I highly recommend that people listen to that. I've listened to it two or three times now. Um, he is someone who is, is really big in the world and really is so kind and so compassionate and really wants people to change the world and really helps people do that. Yeah, he's an unbelievable person with some of the things he's done in life. You just can't believe it. So inspiring. So incredible. Yeah, I agree with you. My second question is about emotions and about how mindfulness has helped you deal differently with your emotions. Every single day, Bruce. You know, there's, I have choices every single day that I get to make in better ways because I get present. Am I ever triggered? Absolutely. Um, but far less often and in far less like harmful, self-harmful and otherwise harmful ways in the world. Wow. Yeah. My next question is about breathing. Share with us a little bit about breathing and how it relates to mindfulness in your life. Let's all just take a breath together. Yes. And notice what difference does it make in our lives and in the world? It can change everything. When I've been in an argument with my partner, one thing that he has done that has been profound is he'll just stop and open his palms toward me and say, I just love you. And it's hard to scream into that void of love and calm and breath. I like that. That is amazing. Well, I'm uh, just going to ask you about a book. If there's a book that you can recommend that is related to mindfulness. Um, related to mindfulness, you know, I think that we want to tie mindfulness to success because I think that a lot of people feel like mindfulness is passive. Mindfulness is, is active. We, we make the choice to be mindful and then we keep coming back to it as a practice. Keep coming back to it. Keep coming back to it. Um, you know, I, there are so many, um, I mean, I've been, I've been working with Steve now for so long and, and listening to blue fishing, um, a few weeks ago, again, brought back that we can be successful in mindful ways. We can have what we want. We can create what we want and we can show up for that every day. And, and that to me is a beautiful part of mindfulness and success and impact. Yes, it really is. Is there an app that helps you with uh, mindfulness? You know, Calm um, is one there. I use 
um, I probably use some of the music apps more than anything mm -hmm. to have binaural beats and, and the different frequencies. Um, when I sleep, I sometimes have that in my ears on wired headphones, not on wireless headphones, um, for several reasons, but on wired headphones, a lot of times to just bring me into that state of clear sleep, clear ease, and I'll use ocean waves mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm working. Um, just to keep me present. I love the sound of ocean waves. I love the sound of rain and a storm. It just gives me so much calm and peace. I don't know why exactly, but. And it doesn't matter, you know, find what works for you. Um, whatever, like gray noise. Um, a lot of people are talking about white noise, music, whatever that is. And, you know, I use different sound for, for different aspects of my life. Yeah. I'm curious about, you said wired headphones. Do you avoid wireless? You know, I have them. I use them sometimes. They tend to, they make me a little bit dizzy, to be honest. I'm not sure what that's about, but I have some friends who are um, neurologists who say that um, with the advent of cellular phones and all of our technology, they're seeing um, more brain tumors, benign and not benign, um, show up on in the side of the the head that you hold your phone to um so to basically never hold a phone up to your head um and that you know we're not really sure about what wireless technology does inside our head that close to our brain well it's interesting that you mentioned that because i feel that myself you know like i feel i don't want to be around a microwave oven because i can feel it in my head i can you know in my brain or something and uh, same thing with a cell phone i feel like oh this is this does not feel good i can feel that sensation and i i always like to uh shut off my uh like phone to put it on airplane mode at night and that kind of thing so that i feel like there's less chance of that affecting my brain yeah definitely you know and i definitely rely on science for those things and also you trust trust yourself like mm. you say if, you know if you're feeling it um take steps to, to mitigate it. But science is telling us that, you know, if birds are dropping dead in, in 5G, um, that's probably not so great for us. So um, we use the technology. We love the technology. I love the technology. I rely on it. Um, and yeah, again, be mindful about it. Yeah, for sure. Tressa, it's been so great to have you on the show. Do you have a final word of advice for someone listening and just feeling as though maybe they'd like to have a little more mindfulness in their life and a little bit more groundedness, which we're feeling from you today on this interview? Bruce, I would say unequivocally, as leaders at every level, show up, be present. Anytime you cross through any doorway threshold, get in and out of a vehicle, a train, whatever that is, zip up your presence. Like, be fully present, be fully alive and, and step into life this way and be open to the magic that happens when we're fully here and and fully connected thanks for that and thanks for being on mindfulness mode tressa bruce what a pleasure thank you so much it's my pleasure too all the best to you bye now Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to my interview today with Tressa. I want to thank my sponsors, including Palm Wonderful, Athletic Greens, and also Grammarly. 
I do quite a bit of writing and Grammarly helps me by quickly pointing out spelling or grammatical errors. It helps me to write faster and more accurately. You can get started with Grammarly for free. It works in desktop applications, sites across the web, it works on apps, social media, documents, messages, and emails. Use my affiliate link and get going right away by using my link it will benefit me and at the same time you get to try Grammarly for free and this is the link go to mindfulnessmode.com slash Grammarly and that's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y and with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness stay in the mode <laughs>